0: Well, that time is almost here, Ed, and that is Conference Championship Weekend. You know, whoever wins these games this weekend is going to the Super Bowl. And listen, if uh, conspiracy holds true, if you know what I'm talking about, we're going to get a Ravens and 49ers uh, Super Bowl. Those who know, know, you know, if you look at the colors of the... Anyway, the point is... We are getting, we are one step away from the biggest game of the year. And I, for one, cannot wait for it. What's up, guys? I'm David Street, and this is Total Sports Talk. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Total Sports Talk. Once again, I am David Street, and if you missed our last episode, uh, Matthew uh, won't be able to uh, be here um, because he's got his own stuff going on, but he'll be back shortly. Um, But I do want to introduce uh, my other co-host, Ed Smith. Welcome, y'all. Yeah, so, Ed, when I'm looking at the Chiefs-Ravens game, I got to be honest a lot of things like not everything but a lot of things to me um, point to the favor of the Ravens i mean for one the game is in baltimore and the ravens were the best team in the uh, nfl certainly the best team in the afc if you want to if you want to argue that the 49ers were the actual best team in the in the nfl uh, certainly in, in the afc uh, the ravens um, you know were the best team in the regular season And I don't want to take anything away from the Chiefs. Like, I know it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Andy Reid, and this is, what, the sixth straight year that they've gone to the Conference Championship, which is just absolutely freaking insane. And as we've talked about many times before, this was not a good Chiefs team the regular season, at least when you compare it to other teams in the Mahomes-Reed era. But, you know, but they've proven that they can just just, uh, flip a switch. But... You know, when when I'm looking at these uh, units, like I'm looking at the Chiefs uh, offense, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not that impressed with the Chiefs offense. Again, that is despite having Patrick Mahomes, I know they beat Miami, but I think as we've all, we've all seen, we've all kind of, we all kind of understand the Miami Dolphins were, you know, kind of. They were kind of a fraud this year. They looked great against cruddy teams, but they looked really bad against you know against uh good teams. And then meanwhile, the Ravens—we're talking about a team that has beat, I think it's ten teams with a winning record, which by the way is an NFL record. So if you want you want to talk about battle tested, Ed, you're not going to find a more battle tested team than than the Baltimore Ravens. Like you're you know you're you're just not. And what I really don't like here for the Chiefs is that not only are you dealing with with an offense that pretty much average, but they're going up against a defense iterated time after time after time after time is good, you know, for uh to, to to put it mildly, a good Baltimore Ravens defense and one that does have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. In fact, you could argue maybe they even have the best secondary in the NFL, you know, depending on which uh on which stats you're uh, you're uh, going with here. Um, but, Ed, let me ask you this. When you're comparing the uh, Chiefs' offense to the Ravens' defense, I mean, I just can't find anything in favor of the Chiefs here. And the fact that it's, you know, in Baltimore certainly doesn't bode well for the Chiefs. But are you seeing it the same way? Or are you seeing it differently? What do you think?
1: I think the, the great equalizer is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Uh, that dynamic duo is really what has propelled the Chiefs to be in six uh, straight conference championship games. Yes, they, they've got uh, great talent with Travis Kelsey, and in the past they had Tariq Hill, and right now they're dealing with second-tier wide receiving core, which at least Rasheed Rice is uh, kind of panned out for him. But when you were talking about you know overall, this is a running football team, So it all comes down to Pacheco and, you know, will he be neutralized by the Ravens uh, linebacker core?
0: But I think, uh, and that's a good point, but who do we trust more? Pacheco or the linebacker duo of Roquan Smith and uh, Patrick Queen? Because I got to go with the, with the defenders here. What What do you think?
1: Same, same. I'm right there with you. They, this is probably one of the more dominant linebacking duos that I've seen in a while, um, you know, and we're talking about a franchise that has been known since they moved to Baltimore to be built on its defense before any offensive firepower comes, uh, comes to pass with them.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I gotta say, I think one thing to me that like really sticks out about um, Baltimore's defense, and I don't want to, I don't want to take credit for this because I've seen other people uh, make this point. And it, it is a good point. If you've noticed that this Baltimore defense seems especially equipped to specifically stop uh, Kyle Shanahan style offenses, you know um, offense the offense that Kyle Shanahan uh, likes to run. You know the Ravens have faced similar offenses in the regular season, and they were able to just um, you know complete. Oh, sorry, I I jumped the I jumped the gun here. My my bad. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. That's uh, that's my bad. My brain's uh, my brain's kind of kind of fried. I just I kind of went straight into the Super Bowl here. Um, That's my fault. Um, But either way, the point the point remains that, um, in my opinion, this this defense just seems all too equipped to stop an offense, um, you know, like like the like the Chiefs. Um, But uh, but Ed, you know, why don't we talk about the opposite here? When you're looking at the Ravens offense versus the Chiefs defense, what are you Mm -hmm. seeing here?
1: I'm seeing a a Chiefs defense that has trouble with a a freelancing quarterback, a quarterback that can take over a game with his legs uh, versus a scheme. Uh, Yes, the Chiefs defense is so much better than what it has been over the previous uh, years that they've gotten this. Of the playoffs, but when we're talking about uh, the Ravens' offense, you're going to have the great equalizer in Lamar Jackson. I mean, he is healthy, he is focused, he is motivated, and it's going to be tough to stop him. Now, who's out there to, to uh, work with him? I, you've got Zay Flowers. I think everybody's expecting Zay Flowers to have a big game. Uh, they uh, just activated Mark Andrews from IR, uh, just for this game, just to see if he can go. Uh, but I really think Odell Beckham is going to remind everybody who Odell Beckham is. Uh, that's because he, when he is on his game, Odell Beckham is one of the best wide receivers that is in the league. You know, but he's you know been just so kind of uh, floaty out there. You know, not really focused type of guy like he was when he first came in the league I think getting this close to the Super Bowl you know he's going to have one of those games that reminds everybody who he is now that's not to say that the secondary of the chiefs uh McDuffie and uh, and Sneed and Reed and Edwards uh, you know like they're Swiss cheese or anything that is a great pass defense. But when you play man within 20 yard in the red zone, you know probably 70, 80% of the time, guess what that leaves open? You've got your back to the quarterback, and you've got one of the quickest quarterbacks that has ever played this game, you know, back there, and he's gonna see that opening and you know take advantage of it. So that's I don't see how even with Chris Jones plugging up the middle, how the Ravens offense becomes stagnated by this upgraded chiefs defense.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I'm looking at the two defenses here, um, they're fairly evenly matched um, in a lot of key categories. However, that being said, there is one really key category that the chiefs defense is actually not good in at all that the Ravens actually thrive in. And do do you know what that is?
1: rushing touchdowns by the quarterback
0: (laughs) okay fair but what I was thinking of actually is that the Chiefs defense is not good at producing turnovers at all whereas Baltimore is one of the best uh, defenses at producing turnovers listen that maybe that maybe that's not going to matter but if you're not able to produce turnovers at at a high rate then that's not I'm not saying it's it's impossible for you to win, um but that does make things harder uh, for you uh in my opinion. But, you know, beyond just the offense and uh defense here because we know that offense and defense are not just, you know, the only units. We also have special teams as well. And when I'm when I'm looking at the Chiefs' uh, special teams and the Ravens' special teams, you know, pretty much everything to me points in favor of the Ravens like when you look at their you know punt returns their kickoff returns um and whatnot um when it comes to their you know kickers like comparing uh Justin Tucker and uh, Harrison Butker I think if you want accuracy then go with Butker but if you want someone who's more reliable um more like more sturdy like someone you know you can rely on during clutch moments then like how can you not go with Justin Tucker you, you, you know what I mean hook yeah well uh tucker from the university of texas i don't know why i always i don't know why i always uh i always forget that but uh of course you being the texas fan of course, of course you knew that (laughs) yeah but um (laughs) well, well listen guys uh uh i don't think it's uh i don't think it's a surprise uh the ravens uh ravens are the favorites i think they're uh I think they're minus two oh three, um, if I if I remember correctly. Um, but the Ravens are, are the favorites, and I got to I got to say, Ed, um, I think the Ravens are going to take it. Now, part of this stems um, from me just being sick and tired of Taylor Swift and just being sick and tired of the of the Chiefs. Uh, period. You know, let let another team you know, take control of the of the AFC. I don't think it's going to be a dominant victory, a blowout of any sorts, because you know, listen, you, you don't. You don't blow out the Chiefs in the postseason unless you're the Bucks. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Baltimore Ravens in a 32 to 29 victory. What say you, Ed? I think that uh, the Chiefs.
1: Well, last time I saw the uh, over/under on this, it was 44. I think they barely eclipse it. And the Chiefs will have 23 points, the Ravens 24. This is going to be the game of the year, and you know I don't I don't see how it couldn't be one of the most exciting championship games we've seen in a while. Uh, this is this is going to be playoff you know football at its finest uh, coming into this game uh, because simply you've got star power all over the field. And and nothing's gonna stop it
0: from being, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But as we as we all know, this is not the only um conference championship because we also have the NFC championship. This is the one where a Kyle Shanahan offense is playing. Not like I not like I said before. Again, that's my fault for the mistake. But in this one we got the Detroit Lions against the uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers and I think we've got I think we've got one team that's just absolutely loaded everywhere you know offense defense the whole shabazz. and we and then we have a Lions team that is uh, you know really kind of just riding that underdog role and certainly they're under, underdogs in, in this game but uh, Ed why don't we look at the uh, you know When you look at the 49ers offense compared to the Lions defense, I mean, like, this has to be in favor of the 49ers, right?
1: Uh, It most certainly does uh, look in favor of the 49ers. Uh, But when you look at the Lions defense, you know, they've got uh, some playmakers on the field, uh, particularly Aiden Hutchison. Uh, The the big matchup that I'm looking forward to in this game is – Hutchison versus Trent Williams, because whoever wins that battle is going to uh, really tip the scales one way or the other, because if Aiden Hutchison can get to Brock Purdy, uh, that could, that could possibly create those turnovers that are going to be necessary to beat a team like the 49ers in an environment like this, you know, to really uh, put it out there that, uh, you know, the lions are here and they are for real. Uh, And just as a, as a note, uh, the last time that the Lions won a road playoff game, any guesses? Uh, 19... 1957. 1957 hey, hey, hey. against okay, wow. the 49ers. Uh, this was, you know, so I think it's fitting that this is uh, coming around in a year in which uh, Detroit is trying to take its place back atop the NFL. Uh, <clears throat> but when you – in the end, when you have that much star power on offense versus the one or two stars that the Lions defense has, I, I have to go with the 49ers on this one, uh, having the advantage on that side of the ball. You know, Because, like I said, uh, like I've said plenty of times on this show, Trent Williams makes the Lions, I mean, makes the 49ers offense. If he is healthy and engaged, and ready to go, then Brock Purdy can run this offense efficiently and the way that he needs to. When he's not there, they uh, there he gets a little rushed because uh, because his backside is not covered as well. And you know that's when mistakes happen. That's when those turnovers can show up. But you know what what helps you know, not having those turnovers, being able to turn around and hand it to the best running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey or turn around and hand it to Debo Samuel, which was not on the injury report uh, that was submitted today. So that's an important development that I, that I did see. Uh, And also you've got Brandon Ayuk, who has become kind of a Swiss army knife of route running uh, for the 49ers, you know, there's a lot to like about this offense and there's only a couple of things to like about the lions defense. I mean, David,
0: am I off my rocker in saying that? No, no, not at all. I mean, listen, like the lions, I've said many times before that the lions defense certainly improved from last year and they actually do. They do have one of the best rushing defenses. So credit where credit is due, but overall, um, the Lions defense is just not that impressive, and it certainly doesn't help when you're going up against an absolutely loaded uh, 49ers offense. Ed, like how loaded is San Francisco's uh, offense? Um, I think I saw somewhere that they're the first team in NFL history to produce four guys with uh, 1,000 uh, uh, sc- scrimmage yards, which is just insane.
1: And Chris McCaffrey with 2,000.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, all I got to say is good luck stopping that offense, especially being in Santa Clara, California. All right. But, uh, you know, listen, the lions may not be that good defensively. Okay. But they are elite offensively. Okay. They were one of the best offenses in, uh, in, in the league this year. Um, you know, Jared Goff has, uh, has been really good uh, for Detroit since being traded for, uh, from the Rams. And also they had one of the best uh, r- rushing offenses in the, uh, in the league as well. You know, the, the duo of uh, Jameer Gibbs and uh, David Montgomery uh, really pa- uh, really packs a punch. Um, but even so, when I'm looking, when I'm comparing their offense to the 49ers defense, I, I just, I got to give the edge to, you know, the, the, the 49ers here. I mean, like when you got guys like uh, Dre Greenlaw, and, um, and, uh, Fred Warner. And then, uh, who's that one defensive back, uh, Trevor, Charver- Charverius Ward, I think, I think is his name. It's mm-hmm. got, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's got, uh, he's got, uh, five interceptions. I mean, th- like this, oh, and how can I forget Nick Bosa, the face, the star of the San Francisco defense and really pretty much like the face, uh, the, the face of the team, uh, you know, if, if you will, Like mm-hmm. I cannot like when I'm looking when I'm looking at this this matchup here, there's almost nothing here that that makes me want to pick the uh, the Lions' offense, even though it was one of the best offenses in, in the league. Um, you know this San Francisco defense is loaded, like they are they are salty. They can get after pretty pretty much anyone they anyone they want to. It doesn't matter what kind of op- offense you run. That Forty Niners defense is going to eat you alive. And um, but as we've talked about before, we know that it's not just the offense and the defense. There's always the special teams as well. And when you're, mm-hmm. when you're looking at the special teams, who stands out, what stands out in your opinion?
1: What stands out in my opinion? in to me, it's the, it's the punting situation. Uh, Mitch Wyschnowski, I, he is very consistent. He's, I has great hang time. Uh But when you look at Jack Fox, I've seen him shank a few. So, you know, that's a field position thing. When you're talking about two teams that are built similarly, which these two teams are, you know, that field position portion of the game is going to be a big factor. Uh, I don't think the kickers are going to be as big a deal in this game, you know, other than making extra points. You know, giving away free points to the other team, uh, but when it comes to field position, I think that is a bigger point of emphasis in this game than what uh, the kickers provide uh, just just by not giving away free points. Now, what uh, you know, somebody I, I had seen this uh, comparison made earlier this year that the Detroit Lions are basically the 49ers little brother. And what they, what was meant by that is they're built in the shadow of the 49ers, uh, but they are just not on the same level as far as talent wise is what the 49ers provide. And I thought that was uh, quite uh, quite an astute observation. And, you know, the betting lines are, you know, consistently showing that, you know, uh, last I saw 49ers are a seven and a half point favorite I at 51 and a half points and a three and a minus 340 on uh, the money line so yeah I everybody wants the Lions to win I I think they've taken the moniker of America's team uh, just because they want to see some new blood in the Super Bowl uh, but <clears throat> uh, when it but as far as uh, uh when it when it comes to the the team that they the Lions are, they're just going to be on another level down from what the 49ers. And that's gonna be my prediction on it. Uh, that it's actually gonna be a ten point game. Uh, 49ers 27, Lions 17. Uh, are you somewhere similar to that, David?
0: Well, I'm definitely uh I can definitely understand your uh prediction and the 49ers are the favorites for a reason. But listen, dude. I picked the I picked the Lions to to uh, rep the NFC before the z- season started and I'm going to stick to my guns here like I know most things in this particular game they they point um, they point toward the favor of the Lions or excuse me, the 49ers but I just got to go with my gut here and I'm going to take the lions in an upset victory. Uh, give me, I'm going to say, give me the lions. Um, give me the lions in a 28 to 21 victory. I think it's going to be a, a seven point win. And I think Jared Goff is going to, uh, toss a, uh, late, uh, late minute touchdown pass to uh Samuel porta in, in the fourth quarter and the lions advance to the super bowl for the first time, in their franchise's history, which is nuts because it's the Lions So let me ask on. you
1: this. Let me ask you this. You brought up Laporta. Which tight end is going to have a bigger game, George Kittle or Sam Laporta?
0: Okay, this is tricky because you would think I would say George Kittle, right? But... uh. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with Sam Laporta. Okay, like mark it down right now. I'm going to say that Sam Laporta has a bigger impact than George Kittle. Okay, and if I am wrong, y'all can roast me in the comments all you want. I can. I can handle it. But give me Sam Laporta to have a bigger impact than George Kittle. I am saying that right now. I would, and I'm going to say
1: that I agree with you because I think the Lions' offense runs more through Sam Laporta than what the Niners offense runs through George Kittle. It's it's just that simple. The game plan uh is is just that way uh when it comes to Kyle Shanahan's office offense versus Dan Campbell's.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um you know uh lots of uh listen um we don't we don't know what's gonna happen it's all it's all a quirky and guys speaking of a quirky Have you ever wondered how God and science can mix well together? Well, believe it or not, they actually can. Some people don't think they can, but they actually can. Because the world is a quirky place, and there is so much that we really don't know. But if you want to get close to knowing it, then tune in to Quirks of Creation, an ADP production. Justin Frey to take you on a journey through all that God has to offer with his magnificent designs. You can find their episodes on YouTube, as well as Rumble, Again, that is Quirks of Creation. Uh, Stick with the NFL here uh, today, folks. Um, And uh, a couple uh, couple hirings have now been uh, official. Uh, One of them actually is a huge surprise, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, But first of all, um, the Atlanta Falcons uh, have officially – hired uh, Raheem uh, Morris. He was the uh, former defensive coordinator for uh, uh, the Rams um, and a familiar name as well, as he was at one point the head coach of uh, of uh, my uh, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. But believe it or not, Ed, there's also a familiarity aspect here with the Falcons as well because he was actually the interim head mm-hmm. coach for the Falcons back when they fired uh, you know Dan Quinn. Um, listen, when you – when you're judging Raheem Morris as a head coach, they say that results matter, and you look at the results; they're not good. I mean, the guy has a 21 and 38 um, head coaching record. Now, in fairness, you might want to argue—you you can argue that his true, you might say, his true head coaching record was with the Bucks, and that was well over 10 years ago, and then with the Falcons. I mean, you know, uh, he took over in an interim spot. Uh, he took over a falcon team that was just a complete dumpster fire, uh, back then. So you might say that maybe his, record as a head coach is a little misleading. Um, but listen, like as the Rams defensive coordinator, um, the Rams have had a very good, very solid defense under Raheem Morris. Now it should be noted that in fairness, I think either you or I could look good as a defensive coordinator, Ed, if, you know, if we coached Aaron Donald, right. I mean, when you, when you coach a generational talent, I mean, we're talking about a guy that a lot of people are saying could possibly be the greatest defensive player that we've ever seen. Like the greatest defensive player of of all time. You're, you're coaching a guy like that. That certainly does make your job a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. Um, But nonetheless, obviously the Falcons were impressed enough with the coaching job that he has done to give him the position. Now, it's also well established. Sorry, it's also well established that uh, Bill Belichick was heavily in the running, and it seemed like he was going to get the the coaching position at, in Atlanta, but ultimately it fell through. Um, now, why wasn't it Bill Belichick? Well, frankly, Ed, this is actually really easy for for me to see. Okay, and it all just kind of points to the fact that Belichick's record without Brady is very concerning okay um with Brady he had a phenomenal record but without Brady it was yeah it was uh it was not good at all um now he is a he is a brilliant defensive mind um certainly a better defensive mind than Raheem Morris says I don't think anybody is going to argue against that but I think I think beyond his record without Brady Ed I think the other thing, in my opinion, that ultimately hurts Belichick, and it's it's something that he cannot control, but it is what it is, he's old, okay? The dude, how old is he? Like, what, 66, 67? He, he's up. 72. Wow. The dude is 72 years old. And if you've noticed, the NFL is really just, the, the NFL is really kind of just like moving in this trend of hiring younger Um, you know, up and coming coaches, maybe up and coming is not the right term for Raheem Morris because he has been a head coach before. But the point I'm trying to make is that the NFL in general is really moving more in this direction of uh, hiring uh, younger coaches. Obviously, um, you know, that's, that's not, that's not always the case. I mean, look at Jim Harbaugh. Um, The dude is uh, 60, 61 years old and he, he just got hired by by the chargers. Um, But that is an exception. Generally speaking, I think we are seeing that um, the NFL is moving in a younger direction and that especially includes uh, the coaches as well, as well. Uh, Ed, do you agree? Do you disagree with me that Belichick's old age is a major factor and in, uh, in him not getting the Falcons position and, and just him not getting any jobs this off season?
1: I, I think it's a reason, but I think it's part of a bigger discussion because Bill Belichick you know, for the majority of his time, if not all his time in New England, was also the general manager. So mm. he's not going to want to relinquish what, you know, how he's done that job uh, over the past 20 years. So does an organization like the Falcons just completely upturn the traditional structure of what an NFL franchise is supposed to, how it's supposed to run? To accommodate a coach that was not very good as a GM, you know, as far as draft picks, but shrewd on, you know, some movements that he had made, you know, especially for the defensive side of the ball, uh, are the is Arthur Blank supposed to just give away control to a, a coach like that that may only be around for at max two to three years? I don't think so. You know, Mm. you've got to, if you're going to make a move like that, you need to be with, you need to have that person in place for long term, not for the short turnaround to try and get him to a certain point and then trying to hand the reins over to somebody else that uh, more than likely would be two people to fill the one person's job. And I don't think that is a good business practice for Arthur Blank and the Falcons. You know, so that's why I think he didn't get that That's job, a good point. Is because it would cost too much in the long run than it would to just go ahead and hire him in
0: the short term. That is a good point. And I do I have a question to ask you about Bill's uh GM abilities and like this is gonna this is gonna sound very strong. Um and not that Bill Belichick was doing this on purpose, but do you think do you think that Bill Belichick? ultimately became lazy with his GMing because of just how good the offense always was under, under Brady. Do you think he got, he got lazy as as a GM?
1: You know, one of the things that uh, any GM needs to do on a consistent basis and whether it works out or not is continue to draft quarterbacks because you never know when you need that extra quarterback. They didn't know they needed Brady when drew Bledsoe went down, but there he was. You know, and then everything started to turn from there. But after Brady became stabilized as the stalwart of the Patriots offense, uh, Belichick stopped drafting quarterbacks. You know, every couple of years, you should see if you can get one that you can develop and move on from. You know, they wound up, you know, striking, you know, getting lucky with Garoppolo and a couple other guys. But uh, he just did not... Do those necessary things as a GM because he was always looking for that value player to fit into the Patriot way that, you know, that's what that team was built on. You know, so every GM in the league that's worth his salt will continue to draft quarterbacks, you know, to see if there is a possibility of development, you know, to look toward the future, not just continue to plug holes in what you have now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I gotta say, uh, you know, last point about, about Raheem Morris. Um, I would have thought that the Falcons would have gone for a more offensive minded head coach, like someone to like really, because the Falcons offense was not good at all. And Desmond Ritter so far has not been a good quarterback. So I would have thought that the Falcons would have brought someone more offensive minded. Now, let me let me clarify here that yes, I am also on record saying that I think the concept that you have to hire a certain certain minded coach um is can be overrated. I mean, who's to say that Raheem Morris cannot hire a phenomenal offensive staff? Like, I'm sure it's going to happen. And Ed, like, you know, when you uh when when you look at it, because if I remember correctly, I think Arthur Blank or not Blank, uh Arthur Smith, I think he called I believe he called all the plays in offense uh for the Falcons and then now obviously he's gone. Um what do you think uh Raheem Morris is going to do as far as an offensive staff or at the very least if there is an offensive coordinator he should he should go after who should it be or should he just hire in-house? What do you what do you think? I uh, I wouldn't be surprised
1: if he uh took the uh D'Amico Ryan's uh, philosophy and bring the quarterbacks coach from the Rams, uh, because that's going to system. You've got all that experience, all that knowledge of offense in the NFL that you can take and just let him run with the offense. You know, as well as develop whoever you draft. Because I, I don't see the Falcons not drafting a quarterback. Uh, in the first round this year. Yes, they're at pick number eight, which means they would have to do some finagling, Uh, (laughs) but I think there's going to be one there that they can get, whether it be uh, in the realm of uh, Drake May, uh, if they overvalue somebody like Michael Penix uh, after his performance in the college football playoff, Mm. you know, there's players to be had there, Uh, but as far as what you're asking to as far as a coordinator or somebody like that i i don't have the list of coordinators that they are are targeting but i would not be surprised if um, if he went after people that he is currently familiar with from being in LA uh, and bringing them along with him
0: mm yeah, that's a good point. And you know, speak and uh, speaking of a uh, coordinators, uh, you know, getting getting jobs, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers suffered a massive loss when we lost Dave Canales to the Carolina Panthers. And before I let Ed uh, take this, um, I'm just going to say real quick that uh, listen, overall, um, our our offense was not that impressive. But what makes Canales what made Canales so impressive this season is the fact that he did. Uh, turn, um, he did turn Baker into a, a very very uh, solid player and Ed, I'm going to uh, let, let you take that and uh, and expand on that sure. So, and it
1: when it comes to Canalys' uh, coordinator uh, coaching, you know it rise through the ranks if you will you know, all the way from USC in 2009 um, you know I would give him some credit for Russell Wilson uh, because he has been in Seattle since 2010 all the way through 2022. Now, what happened in 2022, you may ask? Well, he he got Geno a bag. Uh, yeah, got, who saw that coming, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, who saw this uh, third-round uh, quarterback that transferred from North Carolina uh, North Carolina State uh, to Wisconsin, the face of the NFL for a few years, you know, and then have that guy get traded away and then take his uh, backup and turn him into an all world quarterback for a year and catch him a bag and then go across the country and get you know, Baker Mayfield into the mindset of a quarterback that most teams in this league would want to have. You know, he, he, Baker Mayfield, while in Tampa, was not the sullen, melancholy, oh, hmm, uh, you know, type of guy. He was a truly a team guy with, you know, phenomenal talent, arm talent and, you know, whiteboard talent. And he was able to put that together with, you know, the weapons that he did have around him. Sure, no running game, which means that he had to throw the ball a lot more than what you would anticipate. A guy going first year in a new offensive system, but he's done that before several times. You know, so Canales going to uh, Carolina, you know, you've got to think that he's going to be able to teach Bryce Young some of these same things that he taught Russell Wilson, you know, because they're closer in stature. You know, with, you know, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young, I see them all as being closer in stature and learning to throw through windows through the offensive line, which I don't think he uh, Bryce Young was developed to be able to do that, uh, you know, through this last season with Frank Reich. So that that I think is a big, you know, feather in the cap for Canales, you know, getting that job. Now what he does with the defense, you know, I think he they're going to lean more on the GM, uh Dan Morgan to, you know, bring in that uh that side of the ball uh to continue to improve the defense, which wasn't that terrible last year, but what you really needed in Carolina is somebody to turn that offense into, you know, one that can move forward instead of
0: stalling three and out. You're, you're exactly right, and, we, and we've talked about it before. I mean, the, despite the Panthers overall being a terrible team, uh, when, it come, when it came to total defense, they had one of the best defenses in the league. And, you know, um, and listen, certainly um, I think I can certainly understand the philosophy that the Panthers are going with here because the NFL at the end of the day is a quarterbacks league, okay? And Canales' uh, track record with quarterbacks ultimately – uh speaks for itself and after the struggles that bryce young had you know at number number one pick i'm definitely not surprised that they went after a guy like canales and listen i don't blame canales i mean even though he's going to a division rival i don't blame him for taking the job because what is this it's a promotion at the end of the day but mm-hmm. i feel for baker man okay because this dude cannot catch a break like he he cannot he cannot find any consistency with his offensive coordinators it's like like why, why do y'all hate baker that much but i will say this okay i, I, I will say this um i want to opine on this um and i've seen other I, I i've seen this point made before and i agree with it 100 percent i think the sil- the silver lining we can find out of this ed is that now assuming that baker and mike evans come back the tampa bay, the tampa bay buccaneers Have become a an attractive destination for an offensive coordinator when you got guys like Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans. Again, that's assuming they come back. Chris Godwin, um, Rashad White, who uh, really got better toward the end of the season. Um, This does seem like an attractive uh, opening for an offensive coordinator. What do you What do you think? Well, if the
1: offensive coordinator that they bring in has a lot of success, but yet the uh, team as a whole fails I uh, they will have really set themselves up for becoming the new uh, head coach uh, you know because Todd Bowles I, as well as he did toward the end of the season kind of helping the team along to get to the playoffs and win the atrocious NFC South, there's still not a lot of confidence within the fan base. And you said it yourself uh, not a lot of confidence in Todd Bowles being the head coach long term for this team. Mm. So if you get an offensive coordinator in there that really stands out, but Todd Bowles, you know, appears to not be uh, as in tune with the team as the offensive coordinator is, you could see Todd Bowles and I get pushed out and have that coordinator take over the team, uh, in
0: 2025. Yeah. 100%. But, uh, listen, I uh, ultimately, I think, I think Bulls job, uh, it is safe, be, you know, because the bucks were expected to, to, uh, to be terrible and we high, uh, we, uh, completely, um, you know, uh, just, uh, surpassed expectations. Um, Bulls is going to uh, get another shot, but there's like, it does. It does lead me to to uh to wonder, Ed, that um, you know, if we do ultimately keep Bowls, and then you know we just we we don't do well, or we do we do well because we're in the cruddy uh NFC South. Um, it does make me maybe kind of wonder, you know, like uh, what if? Because, like, what if we do fire Todd Bowls because there is someone out there? Because I don't I don't know about you. But there is one name, there is one name out there, who is one game away from from the Super Bowl that I think is going to be ultimately a head coach, and that is the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, uh, Todd Monken. Which, by the way, I think he did spend some time uh, with the with the Bucks before. Um, so it's like mm-hmm. we keep Todd Bowles, and then you know, and then the other Todd, you know, T- Todd Monken. Uh, we lose him, then it's like. You you know what I'm saying here?
1: Yeah, I mean Todd Todd Munkin has certainly proven that I uh, he's definitely worth the interviews to become a head coach. I think he's comfortable with where he's at and the offense that he's running right now. Uh, so if you are looking at Todd Munkin, you know you know developing someplace else, it's going to be developing as a head coach. I because he is way too entrenched uh, as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore with an entrenched head coach in uh, John Harbaugh. Uh, So Todd Munkin, you know, I think his next step is to be a head coach. I don't see him going anywhere as a coordinator uh, in any way, shape, or form.
0: Well, you know what, Ed? I'm going to make a prediction right now. You know how you often wonder how. <laughs> you know how you often how you often wonder um, how Washington has uh, not hired a head coach yet. Like you're always wondering, like how have they not had a head coach? Well, you know what I think, Ed. I think they're waiting for the Ravens season to be over so that they can interview and ultimately hire Todd Monken. That is what I'm saying right now. My prediction is that Washington, whether whether it's the Redskins football team, you know, you know the uh, the. Uh, silly nannies, whatever you want to call them. My prediction, Ed is that Washington is going to hire Todd Monkin. and it makes, why not? I mean, for one, you know, he would be staying in Maryland since we know that Washington mm-hmm. is in, is in Maryland. And like, they're not far, they're not that far from, from the Ravens. I think the Washington, I think Washington's going to hire Monkin. What do you, what do you think? Do you, do you think that's going to happen or do you think it could happen?
1: I think it could happen. Uh, You know, Munkin's got a job to do at the moment, so I'm really not expecting him to, you know, do these interviews while preparing for these other games. Uh, but when you look at what Washington has to offer, you have you know, and forgive me if I keep going over the same points here, but <laughs> you have an owner that is trying to wash the Dan Snyder effect out of this out of the building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have a new GM who was the right-hand man of John Lynch uh, putting together the San Francisco 49ers as the uh, director of player personnel, you know, so basically making John, getting John Lynch to be comfortable in the GM chair. So now it's his turn to be GM. Well, they just, he just got hired by the commanders uh, about a week and a half ago and they're still looking for their head coach. I don't see a lot of chatter about why this would why this would be a uh, favorable destination and I don't understand why it isn't because if you can get cohesiveness within all three levels and build it from build the commanders from the ground up with the number 2 pick by the way then I think you're set you're set for a good long run in that uh, in that organization, so why why they haven't selected somebody? You could be right. You could be dead on about you know trying to grab somebody that is part of this final four of the NFL playoffs uh, before you know announcing that they uh, take over uh, the head coach duties there in Landover, Maryland. Uh, but Todd Munkin, he would certainly be. You know, the first name that I think of uh, to take over that role out of the coaches that are still in the tournament.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, like I said, I I think um, I think the uh, Washington uh, Red, uh, Redskins football team commanders, whatever the hell you want to call them. I think they have zeroed in on uh, Todd Monken. Um, to be their uh, next head coach, but they just can't go through any interviews for obvious reasons. And then finally, Ed, last point I want to make here: Who's the other team that still doesn't have a head coach? The Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick, if you had to make a prediction, who do you think the next uh, Seahawks head coach is going to be? Oh, um, you know when you
1: when you look at who they have interviewed, I mean, how does the prodigal son not go back? Uh. Are people really that uh, upset with Dan Quinn for uh, for taking the for the Atlanta job? I mean that that was a tough situation uh, losing in the Super Bowl like that because remember he was a head coach when they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots uh-huh. with uh-huh. but it all that whole thing fell on Kyle Shanahan's plate, not his uh, as far as public opinion, but in the building. He wound up, you know, losing his job the next season and became the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. This is the same guy that built the Legion of Boom with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So why do you not take back a guy that has head coaching experience taking his own team to the Super Bowl, one that has architected two of the more dominant defenses over the past decade in this league? You know And somebody and a team that already has its offensive identity. So, why they wouldn't go for Dan Quinn, I have no idea. He's he should be the guy that goes back there, but uh, with the complicated ownership uh, situation, I think that might play a factor into all this. Uh, So, in the end, I think it should be Dan Quinn uh, at least in the short term. But we'll, you know, because of the ownership situation that they have. Uh, but overall, I I have no idea who they were are actually zeroing in
0: on. Yeah, I mean, you see, you see yourself at the end of the day. Uh, Dan Quinn was the architect of one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen in the Legion of Boom. And speaking of the end of the day, folks, uh, it's the end for, for us. Um, thank you so much once again for tuning into another episode of, uh, of a total sports talk. I'm David street. That's my co uh, Ed Smith, uh, guys, you can check us out on Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube rumble. And, uh, once again, we're not the only show on ADP. You can check out quirks of creation, which I uh, mentioned earlier during my uh, ad read. You can mention, or you can also catch uh, unfiltered, uh, which is coming soon. And you can also check out guys night as well. And just check out all the amazing written content on the ADP website. Um, But for now, folks, we are rounding third and headed for home.